0: get ready for adventure islands of it man from the studios to volcano bay this is the universal joint a podcast devoted to all things universal with your host jim hill and dustin foods welcome to the universal joint podcast This is number three in the series, and my co-host Dustin Fuse and myself, we were both down at the Universal Orlando Resort early this month, and this tsunami of Universal-related news hit while we were both away, and so now Dustin and I are just trying to deal with that.
1: And speaking of deals, and that's the first perfect segue of the show, did you see where CNBC actually announced that they would be shooting 30 original one hour long episodes of the Deal or No Deal revival at Universal Studios Florida? From what I can tell, it'll be really great for us who remember all of the various TV and movie productions that used to go on down at Disney, MGM, and Universal Studios back in the late 80s and 90s.
0: Yeah, that was back when Orlando was supposed to be Hollywood East and, what was it, Superboy. That got shot at both Disney, MGM, and Universal. I think that the show between seasons changed studios, but... During this exact same period of time, that was when Las Vegas was building all of those theme parks because they were supposedly repositioning themselves as a family-friendly resort, and I think we all remember how that turned out.
1: But some dreams do come true, and getting back to the Deal or No Deal revival, CNBC has arranged for that show's original host, Howie Mandel, to come back and serve as MC for the game show. Now, I'm just going to put this out there, and maybe they'll be able to persuade Meghan Markle, who was an original briefcase girl, during the original stint of the show to come back. Do you think that she'll have some time in her schedule to help out with the production?
0: I'm thinking she's going to be a trifle
1: busy with her new gig. But... Stranger things have happened, and you know, being that I, I've been living in Toronto for almost 10 years now, it's been fun to see Megan's career go from a briefcase girl to her seven-season stint of the USA Network Suits, which, fun fact, was actually regularly filmed up here in the streets of Toronto. But still, even with her upcoming Royal Adventures, it would have been a treat to see her on TV again.
0: And speaking of treats, earlier this week, Universal Parks and Resorts revealed that At this year's Halloween Horror Nights, both Universal Studios Florida and Universal Studios Hollywood will feature mazes that take their inspiration from Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, but didn't Universal Orlando use that 2007 Legendary Pictures release as the jumping off point for a scare zone last year?
0: yes it did in fact the trick-or-treat scare zone was located in the central park section of that theme park and to be honest it was one of my very favorite things of the 2017 version of Halloween Horror Nights, I know it sounds weird to say that a scare zone was pretty, but this one, Dustin, was downright charming with all sorts of lit up jack o' lanterns high up in the trees and these really cool sort of '60s period characters walking through the street. And
1: now, something tells me that "charming" isn't a word that people will be using. Especially after they experience the trick-or-treat inspired mazes that are being built for this year's version of Halloween Horror Nights. Now, according to the press release that I've got right in front of me, this house is supposed to feature recreations of, quote, grisly scenes from the movie, including one scene where college students viciously transform into bloodthirsty werewolves and then dismember a town.
0: Well, if last year's Freakatreat scare zone is any indication of of what Universal Parks and Resorts plans to do with this IP, I'm sure that. This particular scene in that haunted house will have some killer design to go along with all that dismembering.
1: Now, speaking of circling back on stuff, one of the other houses that has recently been announced for the 2018 edition of Universal Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights, Dead Exposure, Patient Zero, actually harkens back to a fan-favorite maze from a decade ago.
0: Okay, you're talking about the original Dead Exposure, which was one of the high points of the 2008 edition of Halloween Horror Nights. That maze was built inside of a sprung tent number two that's one of those hurricane-proof structures that they have out behind Men in Black, Alien Attack, and The Simpsons ride. If I'm remembering correctly, this is where... The Texas
1: Chainsaw Massacre Maze was set up back in 2016. Oh god, I I heard about that That house. That was the maze where once you got outside and finally thought that you were safe, they then kept throwing Leatherface at you, which I just think is just mean. Like how many times did you have to have that character reappear again with his chainsaw running before you finally reached the real for real exit?
0: I was lucky enough to experience the Chainsaw Massacre maze at the press preview night. And I can't speak to the latter nights of the event, how it went on weeks after that. But that night, once you exited the maze and thought you were safe, or the building and thought you were safe, they threw Leatherface at you an additional three times, which was hilarious and thrilling and absolutely terrifying all at the same time. It, it, honestly, Dustin, it was the only... A haunted house at Halloween Horror Nights I've ever been to that I thought should have
1: come with a complimentary adult diaper. That's way too much information, Jim. Fun segue again. Speaking of information, I of head of tickets going on sale for this year's Rock the Universe event.
0: Which, for those of you who don't know, is the other After Hours hard ticket event that Universal typically holds in the fall.
1: That's right. And this year it's scheduled for September 7th and 8th, which is the weekend before Halloween Horror Nights gets underway at Universal Studios Florida, and is also the celebration weekend of my birth many years ago. Congrats. <laughs> um, anyway, The The Rock the Universe is a Christian music festival that the Universal Orlando Result has been presenting since 1998. That's what, six months before Islands officially opens to the public, right? Exactly. And the Disney version, which was Night of Joy, debuted 15 years before that, back in 1983. So... When Night of Joy started, it was an after-hours hard-ticket event that they presented at the Magic Kingdom. It was there for a number of years before Disney World management moved the event from the Magic Kingdom over to Hollywood Studios, which I believe happened in, I think it was 2008. Was that due to construction? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, if construction had actually been a consideration here, Why wouldn't Disney World's special events office have moved the the Night of Joy back to the Magic Kingdom for the fall of 2010? Now, you remember that time, right? It was when serious work had begun on the new Fantasyland project. And the back half of the park was just full of cranes and construction fences.
0: That's an excellent point. But didn't Disney's Night of Joy move over to the the ESPN World of Sports complex a while back?
1: Yeah, so that was uh, two years ago. Supposedly, that's because the venue had more covered seating than either the Magic Kingdom or Disney's Hollywood Studios, and would have actually allowed for guests to experience the event, quote, regardless of the weather. Hmm, interesting. But Disney just cancelled Night of Joy, right? Yep, and uh, Universal Orlando is still going all in with its Christian music event. They've not only brought in different groups and performers scheduled for both Friday and Saturday nights, but Universal is also doing a reprogramming of the soundtrack for the event for Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket, specifically oh. for that
0: night. All right, for those of you who don't know, Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket is this coaster that sort of runs down the spine. As you come through the entrance of Universal Studios Florida, I mean, you literally see the thing on the left, zooming up and down the production corridor there. And But the cool thing about this ride is that Each writer gets to pick the music that they listen to, as they roll through the park. I, I got that right,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. And it's the coaster that you'll hear screams of, of people usually saying, why me, why me, why me? But it, it's, it's probably one of my favorite coasters at Universal, just second to the Hulk. But when you're looking at it, it's a very interesting piece of technology that they have inserted into the ride vehicles. So only on the nights of the Rock the Universe, people who are riding Hollywood Rip Ride and Rocket, can then select pieces of music that have been recorded by their favorite Christian artists.
0: I just found it weird that on, what, that Saturday, September 8th, the second night of the event, you know, people who go to Universal Studios Florida can, well, they'll have the chance to listen to the Red Walker band where one week later during Halloween Horror Night... In the exact same theme parks, they now have to watch out for walkers.
1: Now, speaking of walkers, have you heard of Universal Parks and Resorts officially revealed yet that they're doing another Walking Dead maze at this year's event?
0: Not yet. I mean, the only IP-based houses that were revealed to date are obviously Stranger Things and, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the Trick-or-Treat maze. But it has been rumored that the Walking Dead will be back bigger better and
1: deader than ever this year we do have some really fun stories to share on the second half of the episode of the universal joint podcast ones that are able to suggest that islands of adventures jurassic park section is about to get a whole lot more thrilling
0: and dustin and i will be back with those stories right after this break we're back. As I said at the very top of today's episode, this Universal joint is jam-packed with
1: theme park news. Some of which which actually keys off of what we talked about in our last episode, episode two.
0: You're talking about that Jurassic Park 25th anniversary celebration, the thing they held at uh, Universal Studios Hollywood uh, this past week. Originally, this was just supposed to be a two-night event, but there was such a huge demand for tickets that Universal Hollywood was actually forced to add a third night to this hard ticket thing.
1: Yeah, and it it completely worked out. They got some really great guests. Did you see that Jeff Goldblum, Dr. Ian Malcolm himself, turned up for at least one night of the event? There's this really great picture online uh, that's been floating around of Goldblum, who, of course, dressed in his classic black leather, interacting with a guest who's cosplaying as Ian Malcolm. It was absolutely hilarious.
0: I think I've seen this. This is the one that sort of looks like Goldblum standing in front of one of those funhouse mirrors. I mean, the guy's like a head... Shorter than Jeff, but still it's cool. Anyway, this 21st uh, or this 25th
1: anniversary celebration, it looks like it was a lot of fun. There was Jurassic Park themed food and there was merch. And don't forget about the special entertainment. Universal Hollywood actually uh, used this celebration, the 25th anniversary celebration, as an excuse to debut their new blue walk around Raptor.
0: For those of you who don't remember Jurassic World, Blue is the raptor that Chris Pratt's Owen Grady character supposedly bonded with right after she hatched. And given that Blue is so prominently featured in all the trailers and the TV commercials for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom.
1: Which opens in theaters on June 22nd. Nice
0: plug, Dustin. For our friends at Universal Pictures Publicity Department, be sure and send the check to Mr. Fuse. Anyway, getting back to Blue. Weren't you telling me that the walk around... Raptor is also supposed to start appearing at Universal Islands of Adventure
1: shortly? Well, that's what the annual pass holders newsletter for the Universal Orlando Resort was very strongly hinting at in its most recent issue. That that theme parks Raptor encounter experience, which has been operating at Islands of Adventure since what? The Memorial Day weekend back in 2015?
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Given that the original Jurassic World movie Opened it at theaters three weeks after that, about June 12th of that year.
1: Anyway, the write-up in the AP newsletter uh, doesn't come straight out and say the Blue will be showing up at the island's Raptor Encounter experience. But given that the walk-around version of the Jurassic World character just appeared last week at Universal Hollywood's Jurassic Park. 25th anniversary celebration, and knowing that it's more cost-efficient to build two characters instead of just one, the smart money is on the the very same character showing up at the IOA Raptor encounter very soon.
0: You know, it's funny. The next time I do the Raptor encounter, I have to admit, even though the, the team member that wears that outfit always does an incredible job. I have to admit, I'm going to be looking beyond the Raptor. I, I want to see if there's any survey stakes inside that enclosure.
1: Oh, you're talking about Project 791. Now, this is Universal Orlando's plan to pull down a 9,100-square-foot building in the Jurassic Park uh, section of Islands of Adventure so that they can build. Well, no one's really seeing anything right now, are they? That's
0: kind of the Universal Parks and Resorts Playbook. They, they tend to keep this sort of stuff very close to the vest. I mean, look at that new nighttime show.
1: They've now got the works for, for Universal Studios Florida. You mean the one that's supposed to uh, replace Universal's cinematic spectacular, right? That was the nighttime show that was discontinued due to damage that occurred during last year's Hurricane Irma.
0: Yep, same storm that caused the cancellation of the second night of Rock the Universe. And the second
1: night of Disney's Night of Joy for 2017.
0: See, it's a theme, folks. A a month after Hurricane Irma, Universal Orlando announces that they're now prepping a new nighttime show to be presented out in the lagoon at Universal Studios Florida. And while Universal's PR team wouldn't reveal the name of the show back in October... They did say that this new nighttime show will feature new animation featuring characters from your favorite Universal attractions, a new storyline, new music, lighting, and special effects.
1: And you've got the status of the show. No, all right,
0: (laughs) what I can tell you is that when I was down for the Fast and Furious Supercharge, the opening night party, they had a press platform that was set up at the very edge of the lagoon. In fact, if you've seen the the footage supposedly of the dom character who's in his muscle car that jumps into the garage that explodes with fireworks the, the press platform was at, at the, the end of that road and three levels up you could look straight down into the lagoon and see this thing the one of the i want to say three platforms that have been built for the lagoon and looking down at the mechanism And having seen the setup for World of Color at Disney's California Adventure, this thing looked very, very similar.
1: And World of Color is a a great show out on the West Coast, but that's really ambitious, though. There's lots of moving lights and
0: fountains. It looks like the exact same sort of sunken grid setup, which, for me, you know, bodes really well for this project.
1: But has Universal Orlando actually said that this new nighttime show will be coming online for the summer or are they going to hold it off to the summer of 2019? Uh, Well, as I said, Dustin, they like to play this sort of stuff very close to the vest.
0: Though it is worth mentioning that, again, at the Fast and Furious Supercharged event, Thierry Coop, who's a, a senior vice president of Universal Creative, which is the universal equivalent of Walt Disney Imagineering, did mention that for the summer of 2019, They'll be opening a new Harry Potter-themed coaster over at, over at Island Adventure, one that's highly themed and will feature lots of indoor scenes, as well as a replacement for Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time, which, of course, is on the Hollywood Boulevard uh, equivalent on uh, Universal
1: Studios' Florida side. Yeah, and, and given that the summer of 2019 is when Disney is going to be opening Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Hollywood Studios, well wouldn't really surprise me at all if Universal Parks and Resorts held back debuting this new Nighttime Lagoon show until next year, giving Universal Orlando yet another way to battle to.
0: Do you see the announcement earlier this month, coming out of the West Coast, how Universal Studios Hollywood Is going to be shutting down its Jurassic Park water ride in September, so it can then be turned into a
1: Jurassic World ride? What do you make of that? Well, actually, I think that it was pretty classy. Universal Parks and Resorts had the opportunity to do what we've seen many times in the the theme park industry and just say, hey, it's closing next week. Or close to refurbishment and then never actually reopen. So with this one, the fact that they actually made the, the announcement ahead of Jurassic Park's 25th anniversary celebration, it was a great opportunity for people who are making that special trip to the theme park just to take part in the event, that they would be able to get that one last ride without feeling like they had to make another trek down. It's something that we've seen a lot, but I think that was pretty classy.
0: I agree. What do you think the chances are that Universal Studios Hollywood is making these changes to its Jurassic Park ride just because they want something big, new and cutting edge for the summer of 2019? That can then go head-to-head with the Disneyland Park version of Galaxy's Edge.
1: Well, if that's what they're doing, it would parallel what happened back in 95 and 96. Disneyland Park opened its Indiana Jones Adventure and spent $100 million on the four-story tall show building with cutting-edge technology and just amazing stuff inside. So... What does Universal Studios Hollywood do in response? Well, they spent $110 million on a seven-story tall show building that houses their cutting-edge attraction.
0: I've heard these sorts of stories over the years. The battling between the Disney parks and resorts and the Universal parks and resorts often gets very, very
1: personal. Well, and let's be honest here. Would Disney have spent reported $600 million? It's reported $600 million each by the way, on Star Wars Galaxy Edge for Disneyland Park as well as Disney's Hollywood Studios if the Wizarding World of Harry Potter hadn't been so hugely successful for the Universal Orlando Resort. So when that park within a park first opened at Universal's Isles of Adventure, that was a key time back in June of 2010.
0: Just today, Universal Studios Hollywood Center had a press release where they talked about some of the fun new things that will be debuting in that theme park's Hogsmeade Village this summer. Yeah,
1: I saw that. They're actually adding two new wand magic locations to the version of the Wizarding World, which brings the number to that park up to 13, 15, right?
0: Yeah, and it says here that they're going to bring back the nighttime lights of Hogwarts Castle. Uh, back to the Universal Studios of Hollywood.
1: Now, just to be clear here, that nighttime show is only coming to the Hollywood Park for a limited time. And it won't begin being presented until June 23rd, which is more than a month away at this point.
0: Did you see the nighttime lights as they're now being presented at Islands when, when you and Jill were down at... Universal Orlando earlier
1: this month? Yeah, we actually put in a a full day from start to finish to try and get as much Harry Potter and honestly Universal Orlando into our trip, and it it proved to be a really good way to end the day. We found our spot. It wasn't really up close in front of the castle. We actually found that being directly in line with the snowman, just as you're, you're walking in from the Jurassic Park side, there's a butterbeer cart. When you go right in that line, there's a lot of people who want to see that show, but it's all about the perfect angles. And of course, you know, because we were right next to the butterbeer cart, you had to have a butterbeer in hand. Overall, we had a great time with it. It is short, but it is very effective in the way that they present the, the different houses. And it's just another Harry Potter experience that we want to go back and check out. Now, did you have a chance to, to check it out?
0: yeah they actually ran it for us twice as part of this event one night and you did you you kind of found the perfect spot to watch the show from i mean directly up to your left you probably saw what looked like sort of an extension of the owlry sort of this tall thin thing full of you know small doors that's actually one of the positions where I want to say there's 34 digital projectors that are used to power the show and that's one of the ways they hide them in plain sight. The other thing that sheer luck where you were standing to watch the show, you and Jill, you had a killer view of not just the castle but also the forest either side and, and that's to me one of the, the nicer elements of the show is how that when they're, they're moving from house to house to house at the castle the forest actually also features the colors of the individual houses. So the show actually extends down off of the castle into the forest, which I, to me is a cool effect. I was lucky enough to get an invite to the, the actual opening night of the original Wizarding World back in June of 2012. For the opening, they did this projection show. I want to say it was Thinkwell, who did just amazing work for, for theme parks. But... The difference was that it used a lot of clips from the films. And in fact, I think that's one of the reasons it's never gotten shown again, because it was kind of a one-time license to use all sorts of imagery from the film. But but the other thing that made it kind of special is that it was accompanied by a live orchestra, which was directed by John Williams, <laughs> and so which kind of made it very cool. But this whole, I mean, the whole event was... Kind of bizarre like that. I mean, for example, at the end of the light projection show, next to the castle, what pulls up but the night bus? And the doors open, and it's Michael Gambon, and it's Robbie Coltrane, and the Phelpses, and Daniel Radcliffe. And there were so many great stories from the cast of the Harry Potter films. The PR team was telling me about how they deal with celebrities a lot at these things. I mean, for example, again, at the supercharged event they had a number of the members of the cast there the morning after it opened to, to do the today show and you gotta feed him coffee you gotta keep them awake and they sometimes get a little snippy and in the case of daniel radcliffe they were talking about how they had this sort of meeting with the pr team where daniel bounded across the room like a gazelle and it was one of these things where it grabbed the hands of the PR people and was like, thank you so much for inviting me and I'm having such a good time. And it's like, kind of blinked at him like, you, you understand you're the kid at the center of a, like a billion-dollar film franchise? You don't have to be polite to us. We're, we're only PR people? But Daniel was this wonderful partner for the opening. In fact, he was part of the opening moment when they pulled down the giant faux envelope. They had this giant piece of canvas stripped over the opening to hogsmeade village that was shaped like an envelope that a kid gets when you know they're accepted into hogwarts and and so who's there but it's daniel radcliffe and michael gambon and they're leading the first group of kids into hogwarts castle and it's and you saw these kids with eyes as big as dinner plates because it's like that's harry potter and and that's dumbledore and they're taking us to the castle so it was it was really kind of cool on the other hand, a, a funny, weird little story here. I got to talk with the other members of the cast, Rupert Grint and the Phelpses, who played the older Weasley Brothers, the twins. And they were talking about just like two or three weeks previous. They're over at Pinewood Studios and they all literally <laughs> shoot what the, at that point they thought was going to be their last scene in the world of Harry Potter. And, you know, they've made these eight movies together, and, you know, everybody's teary because it's like they're looking around at the sets, and it's, it's the last time we're going to be in the world of Harry Potter, and I just can't believe we're saying goodbye to this. And three weeks later, they're in Orlando, and they're standing there in this recreation of the whole Harry Potter world, and it's like, oh, I I guess we didn't say goodbye. I guess it's going to be here forever. And speaking of, of teary goodbyes, Dustin and I have somehow reached the end of yet another Universal
1: Joint podcast here. Wait, weren't we supposed to talk about Fast and Furious Supercharged and Voodoo Donuts and how Emeralds is closing its CityWalk in September and the Aventure is opening in August? Uh, you're right. Okay, folks, I promise that on the very next Universal Joint... Which will be coming soon. Very soon. Like
0: within the next week or so? Absolutely. Uh, On the very next episode of Universal Joint, we'll talk about all that stuff at Universal Orlando.
1: Plus the DreamWorks theater show at Universal Studios Hollywood. They've got that new Kung Fu Panda, The Emperor's Quest, a 4D movie attraction opening shortly, don't they?
0: This is Dustin's way of saying we've got an awful lot of material to cover in our upcoming shows. So be sure and come back to catch the next installment of the Universal Joint podcast, and I I promise we'll we'll do them quickly. Uh, On behalf of myself, and Mr. Fuse, thanks for listening. It's been Groovy having you hang with us for the Universal Joint. Tune in again for this and other great podcasts found on the Jim Hill Media Network.